Hello, race fans, and welcome to the Wednesdays with Wayne podcast. Your host is champion driver Wayne Johnson, who will be telling the stories and talking to the people that make the sport of sprint car racing great. Hey guys, Wayne Johnson, Wednesdays with Wayne, episode 64. We are hanging out at the, in the Beeve in Bristol, here at the track in the uh, driver's parking lot. We uh, didn't have really a lot to talk about last week. You know, we got rained out two nights and uh, we had a memorial service on Sunday from my buddy Ray Brooks. We did a episode back, uh, it's been quite a while back for Ray uh, when he passed and didn't get to do any of the uh, funeral stuff or anything uh, back then because of COVID. So they had a memorial service at Port City Raceway on Sunday. I shouldn't say they. Uh, Vicky did and the boys and had a great turnout. Uh, it was a couple of hundred people plus probably and uh, had a lot. Shared a lot of good stories and a lot of good times. And uh, you know it couldn't it couldn't actually worked out any better. It was perfect. Yeah, nice day, great service, lots of attendance. So yeah, it was a good day. It was great. So. Uh, with that being said, we're, you know, like I said, we rained out last week, so we're not doing anything there. We don't have a lot to talk about, so uh, just uh, we're going to replay that one of of uh, Ray. We did a little memorial podcast back, uh, I think it was episode 13 or something like that. And uh, so we're going to replay that one today for you guys just because we don't have a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, next week, hopefully, we'll have lots to talk about after this Bristol uh race but we you know we just landed here probably within an hour ago and honestly i'm whooped ready to go to bed so, lots of driving so let's uh let's just do that and uh guys we will we will see you guys next week okay guys we're uh back vicky brooks which is ray brooks's wife uh i've got uh ed hickson which was was uh Ray's best friend that I know of anyway and uh we got Mama Gail Gail Custer she uh everybody knows her as, as, as Mama Gail uh at Weld Racing so and actually we got her on because I don't I think that's how I met Gail was through Ray I was pretty sure of that when I started thinking about all the memories and stuff that I had but that's uh that's our that's our guest line today we've never had three on at one time so this is going to be interesting but I'm I'm excited to uh, share some memories and and uh, just talk about Ray. To be honest, uh, Vic, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you. You know, I know I know a lot of the memories that I know of with you and Ray or whatever. But uh, when I was at the house here a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about Ray and this that and other, I didn't realize that you guys met at 81 Speedway. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I um, worked the ticket window and sold tickets and pit passes, and then um, I paid the drivers at the end of the night. And that's how we met um, one July 4th weekend, 1989. Um, <laughs> the midgets were running at 81. And Friday night, the Friday night show, the, whoever the sanctioning body was, um, had the pay all messed up, completely, totally messed up. And so we were sitting there waiting on them to get the payout and taking forever. Long story short, we sat there for hours and hours. His brother, Mike, 
and sister-in-law Sam were standing at the window most of the night. I think Ray had come a couple of times. I don't really remember much about him on Friday night. Um, but then Saturday, they decided to pay the racers before the race on Saturday. And so he had come up to get Mike, and Aaron Berryhill was who he was actually working for um, to get their pay. And one of the guys from the racetrack had come in and asked me if I wanted something to eat or drink. And I said, I'd take a Dr. Pepper, but I don't want anything to eat unless they had steak and shrimp up there. Well, Ray, being the clown, smart aleck that he is, <laughs> was standing when he said, I'll take you for steak and shrimp. I went, what? <laughs> you know, so he said, I'll take you for steak and shrimp. I said, okay, you know, just playing along. And... um so then after the races, he came back and asked me if I was ready for to go for a second trip. I said, no, I, I was still working. So, But anyway, after the races, we went out and had a drink and talked for several hours that night. And I'm thinking, you know, go have a drink with him. It's probably never seen him again, this guy from Oklahoma in town for the races. And I think we talked every day for quite a while after that, and that kind of started things. And a year later, I moved to Tulsa. Well, how long did so, it take you to get that steak and shrimp? Um, yeah, that took a while. Um, <laughs> I actually got my steak and shrimp several months later um, when I had come down for a weekend and we went out to eat with um, Johnny and Nanette Pickle. <laughs> and so well, it, it was several months. Well, Vic, uh, some, you know, something that I don't know, and, and I would like for you to comment because I'm sure you know all of them, but you have a clue of, of how many teams or race drivers or, or however you want to say it that Ray had actually worked for through his career? Um, before 1989, I, I don't know. I, you know, I've heard stories of some, like, the you know, Fixco car, and, and I didn't realize he worked for Shane Carson before that time. I All I knew was the $12 car, um, you know, after I had moved down here. But Jim Osborne, better known as Slim, had challenged me one time, one night, um, to sit down and write all that down. But, you know, he said, I think it would be interesting, too. And I couldn't get it in chronological order, but as far as I can remember, I have, I think, 30 drivers. Just since 1980. Well, I knew, well no, a few of those were before 89. But, I knew, yeah. I knew it was going to be a pretty big list. I just didn't know if you knew how many it was or whatever. Yeah. About 30. And, you know, some of them were, were, you know, he helped a couple of weekends here and there. But he still helped them on their cars. So, you know. Well, he helped, he helped me when he worked for other folks, too, because I'd make that phone call that I didn't know what I was doing or felt like I was going in the wrong direction, and I'd pick up the phone and call Ray. So I'm sure he helped a lot more than 30 people through through the years because uh, he always would answer the phone and help anyone, for that matter. Uh, yes, you know, he would. I told him one time he needed to charge for that, and he said nobody would ever <laughs> call him again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Ed, I'm, I'm going to bring Ed in now, but I didn't know, I don't know that I really knew Ed very well. I think I'd maybe in passing and stuff at Tulsa Speedway until, uh, I, you know, I really don't know. I've been trying to think and put it all together, Ed. I just, 
But when you and you and Ray work for Joe Bastias, uh, that's when me and you really become more friends. I think uh, I think I knew of you before all that, but I've been trying to think back. But that's really when it comes to my memory of you and Ray. You know, travel up up and down the road with with Joe, and and uh, I got to go quite a bit with you guys and stuff. And we had a hoot. But uh, what do you think? You think that's about right? I don't know it. I can't think. Yeah, it's probably about right. How long? How long uh, was you and Ray friends? How far oh, did you go back? Over forty years. Oh, really? That long? Mm-hmm. So you were a pain in his ass for forty years. Yes, sir, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's gonna laugh because they know that's the truth. <laughs> hey, ain't gonna lie about it. I was a thorn in his side. <laughs> Well, but he uh, loved that thorn. Yeah, we are. He did. You know, those two were two peas yeah. in a pod, let me tell you. Well, uh, yeah. you know, there – go ahead, Ed. Okay, even when he's one of my jokes, he's still right there for me every time I needed him. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, I knew you guys were really tight. and uh, There's so much stuff that we could talk about today. And, and uh, you know, you got it. You have, a, you have a specific story that you want to share about, right? Well, where, where do you start? There's so many stories. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing. You know, it's, it, I got so many. I tried to write some of them down. I thought, where does this end, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, there's just not any. It just can't. It, it just doesn't end. Honestly, it doesn't. It's, well, but the biggest memories I have with you, with you two and me, myself, is we were, we were going with Joe Bastias, and we know that, Jay, you know, Joe was, I shouldn't say it this way, you know, because he was a good friend of ours. Still is a good friend of ours. We just don't get to hear from him. But, uh, you know, we knew he wasn't really going to win a race, uh, I guess, per se. But he dang sure throwed a lot of money at it and really tried and and uh, and really more of anything made it had, – had more fun than, than I would say anybody out there racing. But the one memory that comes to mind is we're at El Paso and, and – uh, he got lapped beyond handy, and I don't remember what kind of race it was, but uh, they had a red flag, and we all went out there and was talking to him. And and uh, on the restart, he had to start second. Well, he passed Dion back for the lead, but he was a lap down, so he got his lap back. And boy, after the races, Dion was so pissed off at him for for unlapping himself or whatever. But I don't really realize Ray or uh, Joe really knew that he should or shouldn't or didn't really know what to do. <laughs> No, the only thing he need to do for sure is stand on the button. (laughs) (laughs) Stand on the button and don't lift. Stand on the button and don't lift. He tore up a lot of cars. Yeah, you guys worked really hard there, I promise you. Oh, yeah, we had to. (laughs) I I actually missed visiting with him, and and, uh, I'm assuming, Vic, that, that that, uh, that Joe probably doesn't doesn't have any idea of race passing, I'm going to assume. I I would assume, too. I, I don't know because we have – Ray hadn't heard from him for years. So Well, it's been a, it's been a couple of years since I've heard from him. Maybe I'm going to – maybe that's something to spark a fire under me to try to figure out how to get a hold of him and see if I can track him down. Well, Mama Gail, yeah. we still got you in the you – we got you here somewhere? Yep, I'm here. Well, I'm assuming you're you working for 
Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. I'm assuming you're working from home just about like everybody. Well, I was working from home, and then I got furloughed. Oh. From work. Oh. Yep. So quite a few of us got furloughed from work. Well, there's a lot of that going on. I'm not sure what this is going to with I mean, with all this, I mean, I know the racing has completely stopped, so I'm sure that they're not building wheels or doing anything there for sure because nothing's well, moving. Yeah, we are. As far, as, as far behind as they are, they need to just keep building wheels. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mama, I uh, I can honestly say that I'm pretty sure that, that the way that I met you was through Ray. And, uh, you know, we've had a long friendship since then. It's probably been 25 years now, I'm going to guess, since, uh, but I'm about 100% sure that, that, uh, Ray is the one that introduced me to you. And I'm pretty sure it was at downtown Kansas City when you worked in the building and we came to pick up some wheels or do something or another. I don't remember, but I'm about 100% sure he was the one that introduced us. And you know what? Look at that. We, we've been friends for 25 years. So what, look what Ray did for us. Yep, exactly. That's for sure. Yeah, I've probably, gosh, I guess I've probably been friends with Ray for, I don't know, 30, 30 some odd years. Yeah, no, I mean, Ray. You were I there actually, before well, me. Oh, yeah, I was there before you, Vic, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you, you got anything you want to share that you want to share about Ray and, and maybe something crossing that you got that just it's something that just sticks in your mind that you can't forget. <laughs> well, I met I actually met Ray through Mark Passarelli through midget racing, and it was through the Chili Bowl. Is how I actually met Ray, and uh, Ray and I became instant friends. I mean, we were bestest buddies. I bet we talked. Five times a week on the phone. We just always, you know, we hit it off and, and, uh, we kind of became everybody, each other sounding board when we needed to bitch or cry or moan or groan or whatever it was, you know, and stuff. And, uh, Ray was a great guy. He was a very compassionate guy. He loved people and he was funny as hell and a smart ass to boot. <laughs> And I, agree with I that. say, I say, I say that he—he, he, I told Vic and and Ed this the other day. He's the one that's got me to be the grill master that I am because he was the grill of this person that I ever met, and uh, some of his uh, oh recipes or seasoning packages or however you want to do it or however you want to say it. Uh, I still do that stuff to this day, and everybody comes to my house and we grill steaks. I'm like, man, that is good. And I have to tell them, well, Ray Brooks actually taught me how to grill a steak or marinate it or whatever you want to say. And I said, uh, that's something that I'll cherish forever because my, my dang steaks are pretty damn good. <laughs> he could do that. Yeah, he definitely knew how to cook, that's for sure. We fixed plenty of uh, chicken quesadillas in his house and, mm-hmm. and uh, grilled out. And he loved... He loved feeding people, you know, because it was always about having fun. And 
the one thing that I know for sure is when he worked on somebody's car, I mean, he was um, a hard worker, always a hard worker, and always believed in what he did. That's for sure. Um, I believe Vicky could probably tell a good story of uh, one time um, we were going to, wasn't it, that, weren't we going to the Devil's Bowl, Vic? No, we were going to Peavely. Was it Peavely? Yeah. Yeah, well, you you could tell that story about what he did. <laughs> uh, well, we were going to Peavely with Mark and, and uh, Gail. And driving down the highway, we had Mark's truck had the camper on the back and the trailer behind, and we're driving down the highway, and Ray's driving, of course. And I had crawled to the back to get him a top out of the cooler in the back. So, you know, they have the window between the back seat and the camper and stuff. So I'm coming back through there, and I heard Mark say, you won't do it. And all of a sudden, Ray slammed on the bricks, and I went flying. And then I was a cousin. (laughs) I could not believe he had done that to me. But if somebody dared him to do something, he most likely was going to do it, unless it was really going to get him in some big trouble. Well, that – I guess he wasn't worried about that trouble. <laughs> well, I I got yeah. him back for you, Vic. There was a time that we were coming back from Florida in the Pasmore rig, and you guys all know Ray would never let anyone else drive. He would have to do every mile and super truck or whatever. But we were on our way home from Florida, and I knew we were in Arkansas, but I wasn't sure where. And I fell asleep in the passenger seat, and he pulled over in a rest area. And when he pulled in there, he pulled right behind another uh, another semi-truck, and the taillights were on on this truck. Well, I don't He just laid down, and I think he grabbed a pillow and just put it on the steering wheel. It was probably just going to catch a wink because he was ready to get home. And I was asleep on the door glass, and I woke up, and I don't know how long we were parked there. We could have been there five minutes or five hours. I have no idea. But I look over, and the sun was just starting to come up, and those taillights were in the windshield because it kind of startled me a little bit when I first woke up. And I sit there for 10 or 15 minutes, and I thought, man, I'm ready to go, you know. I, I should wake him up, and if he's tired, I'll drive. Well, I just kind of bumped him on the shoulder and said, hey, Ray. And he, he opened his eyes, and all it was those taillights of that semi-truck was riding the windshield. <laughs> and he went to shifting and pushing the brakes and everything else, and we never were moving. It scared the living shit plumb out of him. And he, believe it or not, I'm pretty sure he drove back to Tulsa all the rest of the way with no problem being awake. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Well, I don't think I've ever heard that story. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was super. It was, I, I, he cussed me and, oh, why'd you wake me up? I said, well, I didn't, I was ready to go home. He said, well, I guess I'm ready to go too. And you guys know how he was. He wouldn't. He, you know, that's something about Ray that just really sticks in my mind. He could get mad at you and in five minutes be over it. Where most people dwell, or I do, I'm horrible about it. I get mad. I'm mad forever. But he could get mad at you and, hell, it wouldn't be five minutes and everything was good to go. And he was like, well, we got to do this for that and the other, you know. Yeah, he didn't hold a grudge. No, he no, didn't. No, he really didn't. didn't. I know one thing I can tell you that he saved our butts in the weld truck when we had our big semi back in the day, many a time when we came down for the chili bowl. 
because he was always willing to help us. Didn't matter what time of the night we showed up to have to go get that rig parked, he would, we'd call him and he'd be coming to get all of us. Mm-hmm. And he showed us around to the hotel and do whatever he had to do. And he was always, always there for us, for Jeff and because he worked for Taylor on his car too, Taylor Weld. And he also came and helped, uh, and he lived up there at the plant where Taylor had his apartment and, and everything. And I can remember one time that <laughs> when Greg got so mad at him, he was helping put new windows in and, and anybody that knows Greg Weld knows that, uh, he had a short temper sometimes. And I can remember him telling Ray that he was going to throw him out the window because he was pissed off at him. <laughs> Well, and I was like, well, now you're part of the family because everybody gets thrown out the window eventually. <laughs> well, that's one thing about Ray is he would do for anyone. I mean, he would – I mean, Vicky will tell you, if I called him at 3 o'clock in the morning or hell, anyone for that matter, and they were broke down or they needed him to go get a race car and bring it to Pennsylvania or whatever, Ray would drop whatever he was doing to help. And he was a, he was a, you know, he did anything he could to help people. And that's a lot, you know, that's a big thing that I see that, 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 you know, with the memories that I have about Ray is it wouldn't matter. <clears throat> you know, he was just, a, he was the biggest giver of anyone I ever met, I could say. He was. And, and that, um, that didn't always set well with me, but it was something that I loved about him. You know, Sandy Coleman will tell a story that, Several times they get to a racetrack and have to park the 81 T-shirt trailer, and it would just be her and Nancy. And he'd say, where's Ray? Because they knew he was there, and he'd go park it for them and then pull it out when it was time to go. And and um, so he, he very seldom ever told anybody no. And that was one time a couple weeks ago or or one of the nights times got in the way. Um, Cody – and the boys and I were talking. And that was one thing that Cody and I both said, you know, always used to kind of make us mad about him because he never marketed himself. You know, he'd go, somebody would call him to come work for him and just whatever they were willing to pay, he, you know, was okay. And it's like, you know, just market yourself. Just, well, no, because then they won't call me. It's like, uh, just drove us crazy. But, you know, he, he was a giver. And to, to family and friends, everybody. I mean, he he was a giver. Well, and he was stranger sometimes. Do what, Ed? What was, I said, man, he helped stranger out a lot, too. He was working on the side of the road there, and you, he didn't know who he was. He'd stop and help you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and that's something we haven't talked about yet, and I want to bring up is those boys. Because, uh you know, when I first met Ray, Cody was a little boy, and he's a grown man now. Heck, all of them are, actually. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was definitely proud of Cody. But uh, then here come the two younger ones or whatever. And I, I wasn't around enough with, you know, since they've grown up. But when they were younger, you know, uh, Ty and Cole, I remember them being young. And I, I just know that, you know, not only was Ray a dad, but, he was a good dad that really cherished those boys. And we haven't talked about the boys, and I know this is a big loss for them also, Vic. And, and uh, you know, I go back, you know, you guys all knew my dad. And my dad, 
you know, it's been 24 years now, and it still feels like it was yesterday. And I'm sure you guys understand that with your parents or whatever. But those boys uh, having Ray as close as they were, that's, uh, that's a, you know, it's just a big process that they're going to have to go through without their dad. But And growing up, maybe that will help them grow up a little bit more too. But, man, they uh, those boys are – the younger ones especially, you know, I didn't get to – I didn't get to really know them much because they were so, you know, when Ray helped me, they were just young boys. I don't know, three, two, three, four years old. And so I, I've missed out on a lot of their times, you know, growing up. But but uh, stayed in contact with Cody quite a bit just because of Facebook and stuff. But, you know, uh, those boys had a great father. Yeah, they did. And it, it's funny, we, we've talked about that, too. And, and for a man who never wanted kids, and that's not a secret, the boys all know that. Um, in fact, when I, when he found out I was pregnant with Ty, um, he came into the house, and I had a card for him to let him know. And he walked out to the shop and didn't talk to me for three hours. So, <laughs> so um, but he, he was a great dad. He loved his boys and um you know I came into the picture when Cody was five and he's 36 now and has done great and Ray was so proud of him and you know what he's done in his life and and um Ty is 24 almost 25 he's you know every every family has that child and you know Ty Ty has kind of been ours but he's made a turn and, and you know, proud of the thing, things that he has done and hope, you know, he gets his life going. And, and um, you know, I know Ray was proud of him. And then Cole, he and Cole had a lot of special time together because Ray loved baseball. He was a baseball player when he was in school and loved baseball. And Ty, or Cole, was a, our baseball player. And he and Ray got to go to Omaha together, just the two of them, one time to a um, a little series uh, tournament, and they played the tournament, and then they got to go to a college World Series game together. So that was, you know, that Cole didn't have a lot with the racing because when we quit traveling with Ray, he was just tiny. He was just a baby, baby like five, five, six months. And so he didn't have that racing part of getting to go with Ray like the other two had. Cody, of course, more than more than Ty. But they each had their season with him, and they each have, you know, their different stories and their different times. And, and it is. Um, you know, Cole just turned 21, so we don't have babies anymore. But um, they've all had their tough times, but, you know, they pulled together, and um, I think we're all going to be okay. So. Well, I think so. You got you got a big family with a racing group too, you know, with Mama Gail and Ed, and, and the list could go on and on and on. You know, you can always pick up oh, a yeah. time for any of us. But you know, he he definitely uh, had an impact on me and growing up and some of the stupid stuff that I did. And he would tell me how stupid I was, and he never had a shy moment <laughs> to do that. I can tell you that, but. Uh, and, and, you know, Ray hadn't, had kind of been out of the racing game, you know, since he had got ill. Uh, so it's been, you know, he'd been kind of out of it for quite a while. But we always, 
you know, there might be months go by before I would even talk to him. And, and I know Ed talked to him a lot more. And I would see Ed at the races or at the Chili Bowl or this, that, and the other. But he, uh, it just, we, you know, it was just weird because missing when I'd go to the Chili Bowl and I wouldn't bump into him or, or at a race and wouldn't see him, you know, or I'd call him and say, hey, we're going to race at Salina. And he's like, oh, I'll try to make it. Well, it was just because he was ill because when Ray was not ill, he was, there was a race at anywhere. I mean, if you wanted him to go, he'd have been there. And I missed that. Mm-hmm. But I missed, I, I just missed him being at the track and, and hate, I hate to say it, but I missed that too. Oh my God. <laughs> that hurt you, didn't it? It, it did. It did, Ed. You know, you, you are, you're probably the most outspoken person that I ever met in my life, and I'm pretty outspoken, but I think you beat me on that. Because you'll definitely say what's on your mind. There's been times that I, when I really, when I first met you, I was like, and I don't know if he likes me or if that's, I'm not sure, you know. So, <laughs> but, I, you know, you guys probably mixed well because, you were the outspoken one, and he was the one to try to please everyone. So that must must be why it worked out. It could be. <laughs> Tell you something else about that boy. There was not a racetrack he didn't know where it was. We was down there racing oh, Jones. Sure. Yeah, down around Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he said, well, let's pull off here. I said, okay. What are we pulling off for? He goes, well, behind that salvage yard is a racetrack. So he drives to the salvage yard, and there's a racetrack. I said, do you know yeah, the- any place that don't have a racetrack? He said, nope, I can find them all. I, yeah, I believe that. I- there's a story he used to tell about um, Scotty that worked for him, I think, when he was working for Tattnall. But they were back east somewhere, and... They were going to wherever it was they were going. And I guess before they left here, Ray had picked up the atlas, looked at it, and set it behind the seat. And Scotty kept asking, do you need me to check the map? Do you need to? No, no. And they got to the racetrack, and Scotty just looked at him and said, how do you do that? And he just, you know, built in GPS, I guess. It must be years on the road because I do the same thing. Like when we left to go to Florida, when this kid that works for me now uh, went to work for me, we just took off and then we showed up in Florida and he's like, you never even got a map out or anything. I'm like, yeah, I've been here a thousand times. It's easy to get here. It's not a big deal, you know, but he, he was yeah. pretty green. He was only like 19 years old. So I must get that from Ray too because I'm kind of the same way. I don't know if I know where every racetrack is, but the ones I've been to, I definitely can go right back to them. I don't have to have a map. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a I'm gonna tell a good story about Rabo when uh, we went to Alabama one time and uh, actually two real quick stories one we went to Alabama and uh, the lights were horrible there anyway but it was uh, middle of July or August hotter than I'll get out and the pit area was muddier and I mean I don't think flooded or if it rained the night before or what but it was super muddy and these three these three girls were walking through the pit area, and I shouldn't I shouldn't really say it like that, but these three women, and they, and they walked through the pit area, and they didn't have any shoes on, and they were squishing mud up through their toes and everything, and Ray looks at me and goes, only in Alabama, Wayne, only in Alabama. And I looked at that one because I'd never seen anyone at the pit, in the pits without shoes before, you know, and I was, I think I was 17 or 18 years old, but 
he just, you know, things like that. It was just a joke. It was just something that come across, you know, stuff like that. And that stuff that I just have never, have never forgot. But he almost got me fired from Bobby Sparks one night. We we're in over in Arkansas and I was driving Bobby's car and Glenn, Glenn Pasmore didn't show up, had some kind of, something came up and, and, uh, so he couldn't show up, but Ray was already there. And Bobby got ill. And uh, he said, I'm just going to go down and lay down in the truck until I get to feeling better. Well, it was just me and Bobby, and then Ray was by himself. So Ray could have just worked on Bobby's car and helped me. But then Ray looks at him and says, well, why don't we just put Bobby's car up and you drive Glenn? Well, I wasn't very old. I didn't care as long as I got the race. Well, we loaded Bobby's car up and pulled out Glenn's car, and I ended up winning the race. And, man, uh, Bobby Sparks was so pissed off at us because Bobby didn't make any money. <laughs> and man, he was mad at us. I thought, oh goodness, Ray, you're gonna get me fired from this ride. I said, I said, if I get fired from this deal, you better call Glenn because I need a ride because you're the one that did that. <laughs> well, we thought we were doing the right thing, but I didn't real we didn't realize that Bobby was pissed because we he didn't get paid. Yeah, but it it worked out for me because I got paid, and I'm pretty sure Ray got paid from Glenn, so <laughs> it worked out for us. But we sure didn't. We sure sold old Bobby under the bus. <laughs> Both tires. What's that, yeah. uh, Ed? I said, with both tires, you get run thrown into the bus. <laughs> well, listen, guys, we've been on for 35 minutes now, and I, I, I try to keep these short, but we're going to run over a little longer today because I want you guys to think about, you know, something that you want to end this thing on as far as what you want to say or whatever, uh, and. You it depends on. I mean, if you're ready, Vic, you can start, or we can we can let you go last if you want. So, uh, it's completely up to you guys. If you if you think you have something uh, that you want to talk about, just go ahead and speak up. I'll let Ed and Gail go first. Ladies first, Gail. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this thing is this doing this thing every week. Somebody like myself that. I've never done any of this radio or internet or any of that stuff. And you guys can credit Sarah to all this because I was always the person that thought that what you did on the racetrack was your marketing. And now with the way the internet is and all that stuff these days, it's about, you know, podcasts and Facebook lives and this and that and the other. And I'm not good at it. And she's the one that's kind of pushing me to this. And I've got a lot better at it, but I'm still not good, but I'm having fun with it. So you guys, when you, when you see her or whatever, you can cuss her out because she's the one that made me do this to get you on here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will just say one thing is I miss my friend. He was a wonderful person. He would always bail people out. He always had a place for me to stay when I came to Tulsa. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful friend that worked his ass off for anybody and would do anything for anybody. And that's, that's, you know, that's about all I can say. Cause, um, I think about him weekly now since he's gone and it's, it's a damn shame that he's not still here with us. I agree a hundred percent with that. You, you know, you hit the nail on the head with every comment that you made there a moment ago. He, 
He, and you know what you said? He would uh, drop anything, and you know what, or or help anyone. And he never wanted anything in return for it either. No, he didn't. No. Just friendship. That's all he was ever looking for was friendship with people because he loved. He's he's like me. He was a people person, and he loved people in general. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, he he could get mad at him, and then he would get glad with him. You know, just it's it's best a lot of times anymore to just move on and not hold a grudge and keep uh, keep on keeping on. You know, especially. Nowadays, with what's going on with this crazy pandemic, you know, I just hope that people have learned a few things that family is probably the most important thing in your life, but being kind is probably the number one thing that everybody should always remember is to just be kind. For sure. Yep. And that was Ray. 100%. Wow. Oh, Ed, what what do you you got anything, Ed, that you want to say or? Well, can you say she's pretty well covered it all? But I loved him like a brother. He loved me like a brother. You know, I look and forward guys, to Thursday getting here. You guys fought like brothers too. Yes, we did. <laughs> but uh, I miss my Thursday phone calls. He used to call me every Thursday. When he's driving somewhere, he'd call me. Getting his windshield time, he'd call it. And the thing that stands out me is Ray. When I was laying in the hospital, not very healthy, <laughs> Ray came in and said, get your ass up. I'm not getting my suit clean. So you get your ass up and get out of this hospital. So that always stuck in my mind. That's what I told him when I went to the hospital and seen him. And he said, well... Ain't none of us can get out of this place alive, Ed. Ain't none of us. That's <laughs> true. True. Yep. But I think he's well, kind yeah. of mad at me. I introduced him to Vicky more or less. Wow. Well, got- no. <laughs> no, but she's our house. Of- she's our house that one weekend, and uh, he wasn't going to come up, and I had to have a little father-son, brother-brother, Cousin, cousin, what are you going to call it? Talk with him. He finally showed up. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so you did all this. You did all this, Ed. Yeah, I think you've resented me for all that, too. All well, these years. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's bullcrap. That's bullcrap. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know what? Just then. Something. Something about today has really brought something out in my mind because uh, with Ray had touched you really a lot because normally you're 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 not lost for words normally, <laughs> and today you you're you're not as talkative as normal. So I understand. We talked about this before we went uh, on live and uh, and to record this or whatever, and and uh, you know we're all grieving. And I want you guys, all of you, to know, I know all of you because of Ray, and I cherish the moment that I had with Ray, but also all of you also. So uh, just, you know, the friendships that he brought into my life, and, uh, you know, as men, we don't cry or try not to or whatever, but 
you know, definitely with Ray's passing has really, you know, I, I cry. I'm not lie. He's a great, he was a great friend of mine and we, uh, <clears throat> we all just got to cherish the moments we have left with each other. So I just want you guys to know you're all great friends of mine and you're my friends because of Ray. Back at you, bud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, now Vic, I'm mad at Ray. Let... <laughs> You're not mad at Ray. You're not. Mad at Ray. <laughs> you could. You could. Hey, that's just that. Now, now you're starting to open up a little bit. Look at you. You're. I know. Are, are you? You must be radio shy because we know you got a face for radio. Now, just everything going through my mind, all the things that Ray and I've done, and some things can be talked about, and some Charlie shouldn't ever be hearing or getting. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, can you, on, no. can you write them on paper and send them to me? I'd like to read them. <laughs> no, I'm talking about taking the grave with me. <laughs> All right. Well, Vic, we're going to let you finish off uh, with whatever you'd like to say and and or tell a story or whatever you want. Uh, so I'm just going to give give it to you now, and you just whatever you like to do. Oh gosh, you know, as the wife of a of a race mechanic is not always easy, um, but. He swept me off my feet. You know, I don't know what else to say. He swept me off my feet, and I don't regret day of it. Um, you know, I I had people tell me, you need to just tell him you want him to come home. I just, you know, I couldn't. I knew what I was getting into when I met him. Um, I loved racing. I, um, otherwise, I wouldn't have worked at the racetrack. I grew up, my dad, you know, wasn't a racer, but he liked going all the time like cars um and you know it it was a good life he provided well for us with that uh wish i could have gone with him a lot more than i was able to we did for a few years there we were we were able to go with him all the time and when he got sick he didn't he didn't quit you know he had his kidney removed as soon as he healed he went back out on the road um had the one, the first brain surgery, went back out on the road again. Um, the second brain surgery was his necrosis, and that was kind of what stopped everything. But he battled for 12 years, which he was supposed to only make at five. He battled for 12 years, and he told the doctors all along that I will fight until you tell me there's no more fight. And he did. And when we brought him home, the doctors had given him three weeks, and he battled three weeks in one day. So he was a fighter. He loved the racing. He loved his racing family. He loved you guys. You know, um, it was a it was a good life, and I know he would have liked to have stayed in it. He just. When he had the necrosis, it was like he had the stroke, and he had to recover from that. And then he, he just kind of wasn't the same, and, and he knew he couldn't go back and do it like he had done before and like he wanted to. And I think that was why he stayed away, because he loved it so much, and he knew going back and being there, not being able to do what he wanted to do, you know, hurt. And... um then the proud part of him, he didn't want people to see him like he was uh, there for a while. He really had a tough time getting around. And then there at the end, uh, you all know he was 
you know, the walker, and then when he really couldn't get around even with the walker very well, he just didn't want people to see him like that. He wanted people to remember remember him like they remember him, you know. And in, um, and in the twelve and in the twelve years that I knew he was sick, I never once heard him complain. He never complained he never, to me about it or anything. He just and he just one tough sob because the stuff that he had to go through. He never he yeah. I never once had heard him complain. And me and Mama Gail have had this conversation when we talked on the phone when he was you know especially when he was tired. You really couldn't understand him and. And I got, and I even talked to Mom Gail about, man, I hate to call Ray because he gets frustrated. I can tell he gets frustrated mm-hmm. uh, because, because, you know, when we're, you, you, you went through it all, Vic, but I'd say, well, I, Ray, I didn't understand what you said. And it was kind of, you know, and it got to be where it was quite often. And I was like, oh, no, this is, because he would, he would definitely get frustrated, but he would never complain. He would, if you called, he'd answer. Yeah. Well, he was, he always said, you know, there's somebody worse off than me. He never questioned why. He never was why me. And even even at the end, you know, he was in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And I knew it um, because I, I lived it, you know, rubbing his back and rubbing his head. But we would go someplace and, how are you, Ray? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? And never, I'm just standing back going, you liars. <laughs> He just didn't complain. No, and even the doctor, you know, the doctor would come in and say, um, even the last time he saw the doctor in the hospital, um, he came in that day and Ray looked at him and he said, we fought a good fight. And he said, yes, you did. And he said, I wish there was more I could do, Ray. And Ray looked at him and he said, we made a good team, Doc. And he said, we did all we could do. And as the doctor was getting ready to leave, he said, is there anything I can do to help you be more comfortable, Ray? Is there anything else I can do for you? And Ray said, no, you've done all you can do. What else can I do for you? And it, you know, wow. doctor yeah. shook his head, just shook his head. And said, <laughs> yeah, he's wanting to help. Me. Yep, wanting to help. Well, guys, yep. thank you so much. Uh, we had talked about this for the last couple of weeks, and I'm just glad we were able to put it together. This has been the Wednesdays with Wayne podcast. We thank you for joining us and ask you to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you at the tracks.